Hello everyone, you're listening to Afterwork Gamers, podcast where two nerdy Czech guys sit behind a microphone and this time talk about bad AAA games, AI and rising costs of PC hardware. I am Matouš and Michal. Today we're introducing Franz Abisher, a guest today, fellow gamer, Michal's brother-in-law, and a Twitch streamer called Pantry Paladin. Hi. How's it going? Yeah. Glad to be here. I made it. Awesome. You awesome. Have you yeah. Here, we're looking forward. Hey. Especially Michal, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to have you on, mate. He's sick of me already. I, <laughs> <laughs> I made him play Lego Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, again. So I'll show you in half. It was actually a cool game. Oh, it's a really good game. <laughs> <laughs> Not with me. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, like I guess you kind of jumped into uh, to the beginning. I wanted to check what are we actually playing. So maybe Michal, if you start, what were you playing sure. in the past month or so, so? Yeah, last time, last this week we actually streamed the parts of the Caribbean. I played also Lego Star Wars too. A lot. Uh, the two, the second one. The, 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 or the Skywalker saga. The Skywalker Ooh. saga. I'm Obviously, I'm not going to play the, the third trilogy. I'm not going to go through that. I'm not a <laughs> psychopath. But I, yeah, I didn't play any new games so far. I'm still playing the Witcher uh, remastered, which is amazing. Of course. Yeah, <laughs> so. Okay, so yeah. Franz, what were you playing? Oh, man. Okay. Well, fun fact about me, I played every single game on the airplane that they offered me. And oh, oh boy, those were great. Those were great. <laughs> I played Airplane Simulator. I played, <laughs> I played a Ninja Run. Great stuff there. But, you uh, mean yeah. on the screen? Like No, no, no. It was, uh, it's weird because usually they have it on the in-flight entertainment screen. But yeah. no, they had it on, you had to connect your phone to their internet and they would give you games on mobile. Oh, so interesting. It, it was really bad. I found out after the fact that <laughs> they were just games ripped off from like cool math games. <laughs> uh, uh, that's maybe it. license. Oh, and funny enough, they had Twitch stream VODs you can watch on the play and it made no sense to me. <laughs> okay, so, interesting. And yeah, other than that though, uh, Hi-Fi Rush, mm. gotta love it. Uh, we might talk about it today, we'll see. But uh, I got a lot to say, it's uh, it's it's great. It's like Rhythm Bayonetta, that's the elevator pitch I give to people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually I would uh, follow up on that because that's the game I have been playing for the past weeks. And yeah, I love the surprise drop. And man, it's fun because I enjoy a good Bayonetta yeah. game. I enjoyed some rhythmical games. So if you mesh up Bayonetta and Crypt of the Necrodancer, man, I'm in. <laughs> it's so good. The comics aesthetic and and the license songs even, man, that's if if you especially if you have a game pass, do yourself a favor and play Hi-Fi Rush. I might. <laughs> <laughs> Very refreshing. That's I, I like it. So it's developed by Bethesda, right? Yeah, yeah. It's this it's the Tango games. Tango yep. games, yeah. so right. uh, they did. Those are behind the the horror games. Uh, yeah, and the Evil Within. I Evil think they Within, did. Ghostwire. Uh, Ghostwire. Yeah, Ghost that game, the Ghostwire, that looked really inter- really interesting. I don't know how good it is. Yes. I don't have it. So, <laughs> and again, it's a horror game. So, it's, <laughs> it's not so really funny. Horror games to me look so interesting. 
Yet I'm always pooped my pants every time I play them, and I can't yeah. sleep for days. Yeah. But yet they look so interesting. Yeah, I actually also I'm not really into that. But the the most her game I have ever played was was the Ellen Wake we talked about, yeah, last, we talked time. about last time. Yeah, last time. And yeah. I wouldn't say that's too much of a horror game from yeah what I, I know. That's it's so funny that I, what I did last year was that I really liked the visuals and the gameplay from uh, the Dying Light Two. Mm-hmm. So I bought it, but because I'm too scared, I haven't finished it. Oh, <laughs> I didn't man. get past the first hour of the game. Oh my! <laughs> uh, can oh, I give you a tip? Yeah. Uh, play with the lights on and turn the volume to one. Oh, that's a, that's <laughs> a, that's, a, that's, that's, that's how I that's how I beat uh, what's that game called? Uh, I forgot, but the the horror game that oh, what's it called? I, I so forgot what it's called. It. My Red Barrel Games. That's it. Okay, I don't know I, I Outlast, there we go. Outlast, Outlast. Ah, ah, yeah. that's how I beat it. Interesting, interesting. Anyway, uh, f- we previously talked about some topics, and uh, I want to do a quick follow-up, I would call it previously, on Afterwork Gamers. <laughs> uh, because there has been some updates or some new things pointed to us by our friends or people who listened to the previous episode. So the first one is actually... Uh, one more point towards the Steam Deck topic, that's uh, the big advantage of Switch over Steam Deck. Like, the Switch obviously has much, much less performant hardware, but thanks to its ARM nature, it can last much longer. So, while on Steam Deck you can play Witcher 3 in pretty good detail, yeah, uh, it can only do it for one and a half hours, while Switch can do it four to five hours, depending if you have the Lite or the or the OLED or the V2 Switch. So that's one. And the next update is actually pretty positive. Like we talked about the Stadia controller yeah. becoming uh, e-waste, maybe. Are they making a Google controller? <laughs> <laughs> no, but actually they listen to the community and they are releasing a bluetooth update or basically update that will allow it to be used as a bluetooth controller on uh, other platforms and but you have only until december 2023 to update uh, after that you will only be able to use it as a usb controller okay so it is uh, with the usb it is compatible with yeah, other yeah. Okay. It works. We were, we were in Cheryl last time. Yeah. If so that, that was the thing. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. So good guy Google. They really, yeah. really making the the xing of Stadia in they, the best possible way. Did they? Did they hear us? <laughs> did someone from Google listen to our podcast? Uh, I think like, they would. We should do that. <laughs> I would like to think so, but uh, I think they actually listened more to the community. A little bit more popular uh, people, like I think Linus Tech Tips talk about it in their oh. Wen show or something like that. So uh, okay, <laughs> fair enough. But I I think we deserve at least a tiny yeah, bit. It's of just one percent at least. <laughs> mm, yeah. The controller will never live up to its potential because it actually would link directly to the server. That'll never happen again, but yeah. you yeah. can still use it. So, hey, yeah. it's a win for gamers. That's awesome. Yeah. Big win for the gamers. True. And another, maybe a big win, is that the streaming service, GeForce Now, uh, shortly after we finished recording the episode last time, actually, a few days maybe, they released an update with 4080 that supports up to 240 FPS over network. For that, you would obviously need a really good router, 
really good connection with low latency. I mean, actually, they say for the maximum quality, which is 4K 120 hertz, mm. it's like 45 megabits per second. So that's like 2% of the population. Well, <laughs> actually, my old apartment had like a 50 megabit connection, but I wasn't able to use uh, GeForce Now because of the terrible... Uh, lack of the connection so yeah exactly. it wasn't really good for that but if you're like on optical internet man you can have access to yeah. like like it can do the 240 fps in full hd only but man really interesting option for some sure, people. sure that's cool and yeah to wrap up this segment we have kind of a sad news uh the i talked in my highlights about the game high on life from Squanch Games and its founder Justin Roiland has actually been charged with some no, he felony. He hasn't been charged, right? He was just or like um, yeah, accused of. Yeah, accused. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And he's been accused, so there will be some hearing and stuff. But he was but accused of some sexual harassment and stuff like that. So yeah, exactly. We'll wait until the trial. Or it's it's funny you mentioned. We kind of talked about this before. How a lot of the media like said like he's guilty it sounded like he's guilty already it's like what happened to yeah like we had this case before with johnny depp right everyone yeah. put his put their hands away from him it turns out he's innocent and no one is issuing yeah. like a big apology yeah what happened to innocent until proven guilty yeah it's right. just sad what we have like i mean i understand like this stuff happens and it's not nice but let's just Wait until we, we don't know yet trial, if, if he yeah. actually did it yet. Yeah. But the sad things for us gamers is not that he was only, I think, fired or something from Adult Swim that makes Rick and Morty, and he's the voice of both Rick and Morty, Yeah. but also that he resigned uh, from his position at Squanch Games. They say they will still update High on Life and continue making games, but who knows how well will they adapt to change so of sad. leadership. How on earth are bad AAA games so popular? So at this point, I think it's safe to say that we've all been there to an extent, blinded by the hype, we rushed to pre-order a big AAA game that was supposed to be amazing, the best, and then once we actually loaded it up on our PC or console, downloaded all the 100 gigabyte day one update, uh, the excitement washed away quickly because the game was nothing like the trailers and press releases it was plagued by game breaking bugs unfair matchmaking and our disappointment was immeasurable also shared among the game reviewers and especially the community and yet it keeps happening uh, because the game keeps reporting insane amounts of copies sold and insane earnings from those sales and it looks like the numbers of problematic AAA launches are going up. It's on the rise. So my first question is, did any of you two actually ever experience uh, something like this? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I talked about the, on our previous episode about uh, Battlefield 2142, which had a terrible launch, and which is considered a AAA game. It's a yep. huge studio. Uh, EA is behind it. DICE is behind it. So... Uh, there's that, so definitely I did experience that. So, I I did actually 
because of me, he actually experienced Cyberpunk at launch. I, I funded that for his birthday. <laughs> so I haven't bought him a game since in, in hopes of not tainting uh, you know, his life any further there. <laughs> but history could repeat itself here because uh, Hogwarts Legacy right now actually has the highest pre-orders. It's breaking records right now on Steam. So That's true. We'll see. But they have been pretty transparent about previews, so everyone's hoping. Yeah, good. No, that's gonna be. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. They they have. There's definitely high hopes for this game. <laughs> yeah, yeah so I myself actually haven't really experienced anything like that because you don't I, buy AAA games. Uh, no, I don't really pre-order AAA <laughs> okay. games. Okay. Like yeah. only a few times I pre-ordered. Okay, it was, we're talking it about was, pre-orders. I thought we talked about just. Uh, in I general. mean, no, 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 no. But like, I wasn't really disappointed by paying big for a AAA game that turns out to be okay, bad. I didn't. I didn't pay for Battlefield. 2142 because 40. it was 2042. Is it, is it 2042? Yeah, 2042. Oh, geez, sorry. <laughs> I, I don't even care that I pronounce it wrong because it's just a bad game. Yeah. But I didn't pay for it because I played it on a Game Pass. Oh, right. So. Okay. Yeah, because, like, yeah, I've been disappointing with AAA games. Obviously, that's why kind of we are talking about it. Yeah. Like, but it, the thing is, I usually bought them when they were in the sale, like a lot after, like they realized that not more copies will be sold, uh, so they put the price down. So, for example, the Far Cry Six, I bought for like twenty percent of the original price or something like that <laughs> when it was on discount. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I've been actually like the gameplay of the game was good, but for me in the Far Cry Six, for example, the story was the most disappointing. So disconnected from the amazing setting. And yeah, obviously, you know which game which game hurt the most, Anthem, because that <laughs> game has so much potential. It's I played it. I actually I went through it. I finished it, and the game is a lot of fun. It's just there's nothing in it and it's broken. <laughs> yeah. So I remember like talking about like as you said as you said uh, about the pricing going down. Like we we talked about it yesterday or yeah. one of the yeah. week. Like they yeah. actually were zip tying it to like consoles and giving the way the game for They're free burying because, copies of the game next yeah yeah because anthems everywhere <laughs> yeah because because no one's buying it mm. and stores have, have them right because it was a big anticipated game it looked like like uh bioware went down to its roots again and looked like look, it was supposed to be like revival of bioware after the debacle of uh, andromeda so mm. <laughs> mass effect andromeda but it just nosedive because EA and other stuff. They tried to keep it alive. They did a 2.0 update a lot further down the line, but did not keep the players up. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, the thing about Anthem is, like, why you see so much potential, because for them it was actually kind of like a dream game, something they really wanted to make. They had the ideas and stuff. And from what I read, the issue was actually they were by EA forced to use their first byte engine, which is only good for first-person shooters and nothing else actually, and no one outside DICE can use it. And EA didn't give Bioware the support to use the engine. That's sad. Because FIFA earns more money, so they get all the support. <laughs> yeah, I hear well, they actually corrected that, because now uh, the rumor is Unreal Engine for the next Mass Effect and uh, Dragon Age, so that's Yeah, good. because be great. I, I, we talked about why Unreal companies engine. are uh, using Unreal Engine last yeah. time, because yeah, it's... Way more. I think Unreal better. Engine 5 is way more capable than Frostbite. Oh, yeah. I've never seen the engine. I never worked in it, but Unreal Engine is amazing. Oh, but like you played Battlefield 2042. That's Frostbite yeah, Engine that's game. Frostbite. I mean, yeah. Frostbite Engine is not a bad game for 
these kind of games. Battlefield 4 is fun. Yeah, as yeah. I said, it's good for FPS games. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. outside of that, eh. yeah. yeah. Yeah, Anthem was a sad, that was a, that was a sad example. Again, I didn't pay for it. I played it on Game Pass. <laughs> but that's the unsuccessful AAA game yeah. that was bad. But there are more, like Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 is plagued by bugs mm. and has a lot of issues and... For example, instead of putting damnation flags of, to use on your profile and stuff, they put <laughs> their the pride flags yeah. as a most of them. I mean, like, why can't I use... I mean, the I don't flag, play the game. Yeah. Why can you use your nation flag? Come on, it's it's a military game. You should yeah. be able to use your nation's flag, duh. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, Anthem was the not so, not successful bad AAA game, but there are successful yeah. bad AAA games. And my question is, what do you think leads to success of those games? Well, first and foremost, the, the, the answer is kind of obvious. They're fun. Like, these games are fun. Let's be honest. These games are fun because they are made by the best of the best. Like, you think that, uh, you maybe think that the developers that work on the games are, like, underpaid, just losers somewhere. No, they're the best of the best in the industry. I mean, look at the, look at the graphics of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. I mean, the new one. The one that just came out. Yeah, it looks amazing. It looks amazing. The gunplay is fun. Like, everything about the game is fun. And just because some idiot executives just do some uh, stupid decision, the game is still fun. For same same as th- some of the main Bethesda Studio games. Like, I think they're they're broken broken mess, but some people enjoying it because they are fun. Yeah, I don't think that's why they actually sell well is the thing. I think it's the name attached to it. That's when people buy. It doesn't matter if the game is actually, like, if the last game was okay, then they'll buy the next one. But yeah, you are right. People will keep buying it if, oh, hey, it looks like Call of Duty to me. It doesn't matter if it's buggy. Well, it doesn't necessarily have to be buggy. I feel like every game, it's really hard to not have a controversy attached, whether it's a lack (laughs) of content bugs you know what i'm saying but you but yeah it it, it comes down to multiple factors dev and name yeah is one a big one mm, okay i kind of want to follow up on you both uh because uh, yeah if we take a look a lot of those kind of bad triple a games are connected to a franchise yeah call of duty is a prime example like back in the day call of duty was totally different than it is today and mm. people buy it because it's the popular franchise maybe really thinking of reliving the old glory days or having great memories with older games. And also, I would say that uh, you say that uh, uh, like they are the best of the best, and that's true. But uh, the thing is, if you take a look at a lot of those games, they don't have like the heart in it like some other good games. I disagree. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm not saying every... every, Depends which aspect. Yeah, yeah, but like if you take uh, if some other games, for example, the High Fire Rush, you can kind of see the heart. Someone had a passion and put it into the game, like the game director and stuff. And a lot of the games, yeah, they are actually fun. They have great graphics. They have awesome details in the games. Uh, but yet then they do not have, they may have the best people doing the specific aspects, but it might not be the heart in it. Because if you put heart in it, you're not afraid to uh, put in some risks to to make it more interesting, to try something new that you haven't done. And if you take a look in the past, like that's 
one more thing uh, I will again put Hi-Fi Rush as a comparison because it does some risks. They 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 tried some new things and like 10, 15 years ago, it was not that uncommon among AAA games. But today they're kind of like they do market research, what's trendy, what works, and they compile all of those successful elements. So that's what make the game like good and, and fun and stuff. But in the end, they do not always or rarely bring something new, something interesting. And they are mostly popular. The, the sales numbers, I think, come mostly from casual gamers that don't have much comparison. Like, we game a lot, all three of us, right? Yeah. <laughs> and we have the comparison from great indie games or games that are not afraid to take risks. And a lot of casual gamers don't play as much to have a good comparison. Uh, I disagree on some of the points, <laughs> especially on the about the that there's no heart behind it. It's on the developer side. There's a lot of heart. Heart. You would not work on a game that you don't like. I'd be paid for you. And if you do that, don't do it. <laughs> That's a pain to work on something that you don't want to work on. It's just it just brings a bad vibe to the game and then you are afraid you are afraid to take risks and then you just sulking it throughout the development and you know why would you why would I do something like that if I can just do these things easily and I would say from the devs the devs all of the devs from the game director to all down all down quote unquote all down to the testers uh, or beta testers too uh, they are all passionate about, passionate about the project like everyone has to be on board, otherwise you will not be able to make a great game. And uh, uh, other thing, yes, like yes, the, that's one thing I wanted to say that the, these games are for the broader audience because not everyone wants to just sit through a thirty-hour-long game; they just want to have fun. That's why Call of Duty, FIFA, uh, other games like that are so popular because they're just quick quick games that you just play with your friends and it's more broad that's why they're so successful because people play them like not all people are hardcore gamers like us i think games like uh high on life uh, the god of war uh celeste they are for specific group of people like the, the hardcore gamers quote unquote but these games like Call of Duty are obviously more broad and also executives. Like they make these decisions. The the developer just wants to make a great game. And to be honest, if I could work on Call of Duty, I would be I would be psyched. <laughs> no, seriously. Like if I could work on, on a game like this, I would be psyched. That's amazing. You know how big experience that is for a developer to work on something that big of a scope and have your name at, attached to a project like that? That's experience and that's that's just gives you so so much uh knowledge and everything even even maybe you have to work on a different engine i don't even know what kind of an engine call of duty uses i don't care but so that's shoot shoot engine shoot pew pew <laughs> engine <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sure sure so i think that's that's the main thing like yeah i don't i don't think it has to do something with the marketing uh because project will not just uh, be popular just because you market it harder no there's as you said like there's a been years of of a game that the game is a brand now Call of Duty is a brand but that doesn't mean that I don't think Call of Duty is a bad game 
I don't think FIFA is a bad game. I just it's just not my preference. I would counter argument like um I would say there's uh I would quote uh, Linus uh, Sebastian. He said there's nothing like a bad product only a bad price. And that's a kind of the thing for a lot of these games because they are if they are released in an unfinished state with a lot of bugs, a lot of issues plagued by microtransactions like FIFA for example I can't imagine why would someone buy a game for 60 or 70 dollars or even pre-order it for like 30 more and they buy microtransactions uh, in the game and for the price it's not not that good and that's kind of the point because yeah I was happily I was I happily bought the Far Cry 6 for the price and for the price I think it was good, but for the full 60 or 70 dollars, I would not buy it. It's not worth it. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you just, as people say, the phrase, you got to vote with your wallet. It's getting more and more popular, especially as a <laughs> Nintendo fan, you know, every Pokemon game, they're like, don't buy it. Oh, look at the news. It, it broke the sales record again. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. every time, you know, in a way, if you pre-order it, then that's when they most, you know, that's the most profitable, you know, that that's the cash they want to make back on the game, right? And then everything else after that, well, you know, that they're already working on the next thing. Yeah. So, yeah, it just depends because some people buy games as for the hope that it's going to get better. So <laughs> my example is I bought Animal Crossing and it was pretty bare bones at launch, but it got better. They They updated it. But it was still pretty disappointing. I could have just bought it two years later. That's that's <laughs> a, that's a big example. So, you know, it's up to you what you do with your money. But at the end of the day, that's a big that's a big thing. I don't think it works to save out with your wallet. It seems that the game sells well every time people say. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So it comes back to the yeah. thing I said last time: do not pre-order games, <laughs> please. Yeah. Let's together teach the game companies that they should not release games in a bad state. Both with your wallet. Don't pre-order. Thank and, you. And as I said exactly the last time, I'm still going to pre-order The Witcher 4. <laughs> hey, hey, you couldn't pre-order Hi-Fi Rush at all. That game, no bugs, beautiful, not overhyped, not yes. anything. It was out like an yeah. hour after it was announced. Yeah, that was really refreshing. Honestly, I loved when they did that. Yeah. Yeah, the no. game concept is refreshing, mm. but the game release, now that's refreshing. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah, like yeah. no reviews were out, no one knew what was happening. For example, yeah, that 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 that's the thing that caught my attention for for, for that game. Yeah, that's why I supported it. Yeah, it's not mm. it's not the the game itself because that's not my genre. It's not something that I would play. But that how they they just released it and announced it that like that as like available now. I'm like Wow, like that's how it should be done. Yeah. It's that's one 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 funny thing, and that that's what uh, that's what always Ubisoft. I think it does for some stupid reason. I remember when Ubisoft was at E3 or they still I don't know. It, they always announced the games before the E3, right? Mm. And I was like, why? <laughs> Just you have a big conference at E3, announce the game, and then show us the gameplay. So, yeah, I think like that's a really refreshing way to do it. I think that should be done because, yeah, it again, uh, comes down to uh, under-promise, over-deliver. Yes, and also, like, if you release a game like that, you need to have some confidence it's going to be good. And we talked with friends here that we didn't find any bugs or something because... Just passion. If you, yeah, if you release the game like that, you actually have QAs 
working on the game before the release. You do not try to have the millions of people who will buy it to be your free QAs. No, you actually pay people to do their job good. Yeah, I agree. And then that. that's how you get a game in a finished nice state. Yeah, I will say one thing though. I think not many studios can pull off what they did. Like Xbox has <laughs> the Game Pass platform, you know, boom. That that sent it to millions of people. I resubbed the Game Pass. And then the people on Steam at the corner heard about it, and now that's on the top-selling Steam game. So I feel like no indie, like an indie yeah. game, they want yeah, to get exactly. a publisher. Yeah, to, there's to like it. obviously like mm. uh, I just don't want to bash on on AAA developers too much because it's unfair to them. And it's really unfair just because executive doing stupid decisions. That's on them. Mm. We should bash totally. them. Totally. AAA again. It's still the same people that it's still a lot of lot of those uh, uh, people like who are doing indie video games maybe sometimes work for the like look at look at look at what's the, uh, Hazel Studios Hazelnut Studios Hazel Hazel Studios uh, it was just few people and then they just came under the EA to to just release their game yeah so there's always a passion developers are all passionate gamers like. You will not find a game developer that doesn't play games. If he's a, if he if well. he doesn't play games, he's a he's a fake news. <laughs> <laughs> he's a he, he's an imposter from a film Man. industry. <laughs> so I, I would say like let's just not bash just the developers because they don't deserve it. I feel like all the people in uh, Activision, uh, in EA, and all those studios dies. Those people just deserve all the credit because their games are still amazing. There's a reason why people play them, because they're fun. They're good games. Yeah, so I think we kind of uh, come to a conclusion. Mm -hmm. Don't blame the developers, blame the executives, the businessmen, yeah. because, yeah. well, you need to make games. Everyone in the game industry needs to be a passionate gamer for the games to be good. And if the executives are not and they are businessmen, well, you can't do entertainment like your regular business. So the conclusion is like the executives at EA kind of suck. I mean, <laughs> in, yeah. in all the big, big, yeah. big publishers and developers, like it, you could you can judge a game, but you know, just don't judge the developers themselves. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, don't yeah. jump to conclusions. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's yeah exactly. That's and also. Not every game needs to be Hi-Fi Rush. You don't have to release your game instantly. That's not what we're saying here, but it was refreshing. Yeah, you need yeah. to. You don't need to release your game instantly, but in a good state. Yeah, really anyway, that's the main takeaway. Anyway, if you, the listeners, have some other take on this topic, be sure to uh, comment on YouTube or ping us a message on our Instagram. We would love to see your takes on this topic. How is it possible that bad AAA games are so popular? And I would like to move to our next topic. Uh, can I add something? Oh, okay, uh, sure. Yeah, and also feel free to message us which games you're pre-ordering so we can tell you not to. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Yes, yes. <laughs> From Cybershare, our, uh, Amazing our manager here. <laughs> <laughs> Artificial intelligence is the big buzzword in the tech industry and most importantly, art. Deep, deep fake technology can replace a face in a video, and there are even ways to do it real time now. Uh, others, like for example, stable diffusion, raise some moral questions and even lawsuits because of their ability to replicate artists' specific art style, and it's quite outstanding. 
And as I said, I consider video games the ultimate piece of art because they combine other art forms like music, drawing, modeling, storytelling together in, I would like to think, in a perfect symphony, at least in a good games. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, traditional artists are kind of frowning upon the rise of the neural networks, neural network algorithms that do this uh, because they kind of feel threatened by them. So maybe video games might be the next target. So anyway, what do you think? Is AI a threat to the video gaming industry, the video gaming world? No, I don't think so. First and foremost, I think it's going to be used maybe for like modeling and stuff, like for uh, some like assets or textures or maybe modeling like faces and stuff. Yeah, that's because it's really, 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 I don't know if you ever did any 3D uh, art or if you any animated anything, ask any animator and the human face and human body and human motion is one of the hardest thing to do, <laughs> <laughs> for, especially when you like hand animate everything. So maybe AI will can uh, AI can help in that regard, but I think it's going to be more of a tool than than I don't think it will replace uh, because because there's still going to be people who's going to be passionate about making video games and they're gonna like, I'm gonna make games, I'm not gonna let AI do my job. <laughs> and because AI also don't, does, don't have that specific human touch to it, <laughs> if you know what I mean. So I don't think it will definitely like not replace uh, the human power in video games because because of it's very, very specific. Yeah, I, I kind of agree because like the important thing is like the AI would not necessarily take our jobs or other people's jobs, but it should be uh, if, I mean if, if it's uh, done right, because you want AI to take away the the boring, the annoying work that takes a lot of time, it's hard to do right. Uh, for example, in video editing, like if you take AI to do the rotoscoping for you and you can focus on the art style, coloring, the stuff that you can make, the stuff that actually you put your heart in. That's awesome. But uh, yeah, uh, your take? Yeah, I would say it's not just about the workload. It's it's about the game itself. Because when Next Gen was coming out, everyone was saying, oh, you don't just need new graphics. We need, like, the AI needs to be better. Like, the processing. Like, we need smarter AI in games. Like, there's a movie on this, Free Guy, right? You guys have seen it. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. A, you know, we need, we need better AI. And I feel like... Uh, the more advanced the AI, the more complex the game. That's what people are more yearning for. But uh, So it's not just the workload. It can affect games themselves. Yeah, I think the, I totally agree with that, though I would say about the AI in the video games, like the NPCs. Is that what you mean? Or uh, do you well, mean... Many things. You can, like, it's not just NPCs, but yeah, that's one thing, uh, you know. Uh, who knows? Procedurally generated games can get more complicated. We don't know. Like, there's lots of things that can happen. So I think this is a nice transition to the next question, and that is, can games benefit from the AI slash neural network al algorithms, and how? Because I think they actually do benefit now. They can. I, I believe so. But still, the AI has... Yeah, there's a peak of, like, the especially it's very popular today to do the the imagery, the the faces and paintings and stuff like that, but it's still imperfect. 
And there's a lot of flaws with that. Definitely. So AI definitely, yes, it came a long time. But if you, if I compare it to like a human life, it's still like, if you could compare it like to one year old mm. or three year old, like it's, it's imperfect. It has a lot of flaws. It's entertaining though. It's entertaining. <laughs> it's entertaining I've to watch. That. I asked it, oh, what game should I play on the treadmill? And I got Super Mario Bros. 2. So uh, yeah, that, it's entertaining. Awesome <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I think it's going to be very, very niche. Yeah. And I don't think we're quite there yet. But it's getting there very, very slowly. I think people tend to uh, of over exaggerate or like think that it's oh the new future for here for the gaming is here or 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 for like it. I don't think it will ever be able to replace artists because that's just ridiculous statement in my opinion because. Uh, Art is about, uh, yeah, it might be like a new genre of like programmer, like it will do it in uh, his own AI. But our artists, I don't think you have to be afraid for your jobs. Well, about uh, AI before you start with the artists and stuff. Well, actually, gamers from the world are benefiting from AI in games now, as we speak, technically. For example, the most spread AI technology in gaming is, you guessed it, AI upscaling algorithms like the okay. DLSS and the XESS, yep. for instance. Like okay. the new DLSS 3 actually uses AI accelerated optical flow to interpolate mm. between two frames. So that's one. But about the NPCs, I actually have interesting take. Uh, uh, last year, game developer session, uh, Marek Rosa from Good AI, I believe, had a lecture about uh, the future of AI in games. And he showcased a little bit of how NPCs can be improved by AI, like with the rise of ChatGPT, which can talk to you a lot similar to real human and interpret what you say. He showcased an example when the conversation with NPC in game was actually pretty good. Like the NPC said, hey, I love Sarah here. What can I do? And you tell him, well, just express your feelings to her. So he goes and... Uh, expresses her feelings and then comes, yay, thank you for your advice, like we're now together or something. And that's something that can add to the level of immersion, immersion because uh, we all played games and we know the conversations with the NPCs can be um, limiting, to say the least. Like you have some few... A few ways that could go, but it's very limited. Uh, that's that's the one thing I'm uh, I'm afraid of a little bit. Uh, I'm not afraid of that's a that's a wrong way to put it, but I think because you still want that kind of a control. Because let's say you have AI in a story-driven game. Let's say let's say The Witcher, right? <laughs> let's say The Witcher. I could have said Cyberpunk. I didn't. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, uh, that, that's enough. Cyberpunk. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Not mentioning <it> again. <laughs> but let, let's say that you, oh, you would replace the and all the NPCs with AI. But all of a sudden, I feel like you can lose that kind of a control of okay, you because you're leading the player through the story, and yes, he can make choices. But if you give uh, an NPC that kind of freedom, all of a sudden you uh, losing uh, losing the control because what if what if the NPC decides, okay, I'm going to do it in a two hour of a gameplay time and not now. And, uh, and let's say you're stuck in the cutscene and you're going to have to wait until the uh, AI does it. Just, just, just 
like my example. Yeah, I feel like if you're gonna have AI like that in a game, it's gotta be deliberate. So I feel like in the next few years, a lot of indie games are gonna do some like interesting, funny things with it. Definitely, like you're gonna see the next YouTuber game do that or something. So, but yeah, I in a story-based game, I feel like it would all have to be a lot more delicate to actually add to the gameplay. Yeah. yeah but I actually think there w definitely are ways to add some more uh, yeah, granularity and ways to customize it because it depends on what you learn the model. Like you have the learning data model for the AI and you can learn the AI to be st somewhat limited but still be able to be more immersive than the others. And I think this is like a... Uh, yeah, it, it's a good point that for a story-driven game it might not be as good and for the storyline you still want to have basically full control but in an open world game this could be a large benefit this could add a lot more uh to to the gameplay to the immersion because the city like the have like a lot of people in the city we see like in Watch Dogs legion and stuff it's very hard to do the like the the make the city feel real it's very hard to do and if you leverage the power of AI, even though very limited, like it does not need to be perfect. It just needs to create an illusion. And I think for that, the AI might actually provide some very interesting results. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely would have to be an uh, like NPC that you don't talk to, and it just doesn't carry a quest or something like that. With, with that, I think that that it would be good to have really smart enemies, I feel like, because in most of the games, like, oh, what was that? must have been the wind it's just, <laughs> yeah. even but there's your friend's corpse right next to you i think yeah, yeah games could benefit in that regard like have really good good and smart enemies which like even like games tried if you talk what was the uh, game called uh it was the same developers that that made uh uh the shadow of colossus the the trico game last guardian Last Guardian, yeah. They tried a doing AI, like the creatures that were supposed to be smart, and it took them, like, it wasn't perfect. Maybe now, if they would, like, do it now with the more advanced AI, it might be, but still, it's going to be, it's going to take, I don't think it's going to be, like, people might play with it a little bit more, as you said, like, some user will, like, make a, make a, like, a stupid crap with it, but until, like, see it, like, actually, like, living... MP, like living AI in a video game like NPC, like no actual non-player on an interactable character in the game. Yes, I think it's gonna take a long time. I think you're still looking at it a little bit uh, too as a whole because you can have multiple AI models and they no. do not have to necessarily be interacted too much with each other because you can have a model. I'm talking for about a specific thing. We mentioned you mentioned NPCs in the world. I'm talking yes. about specifically like yeah, that. Yeah, but the NPC in the world can actually be multiple AI algorithms with trained with different models. One can be for the moving in the crowd. One can be like, imagine like if you have like a basic, very basic NPC model that will read, okay, I, well, f let's say the Watch Dogs Legion, there you would have like you have multiple occupation, like what do you do for work? What do you like? And what you could have any other person and they will not say something generic or pre-programmed that they would engage in a conversation like uh, i don't know what is the last game you played oh i really like this or well, where have you been last week well i uh, went to a party with my friend because the ai model will know okay yeah, this one goes to parties and i don't mean like the 
like have a one super AI that would do all the movement They're and all the thing, but you can like, like spread it. You can give the AI models various levels of control and still have a, a very interesting uh, game. I didn't look at it like uh, like that. I I imagine it in a way you talking okay. about it. Like I just still think it's a long time to until we see it fully implemented in the video game. It's experimental, right? Like yeah. I feel like the first like what I mean by an indie game. Like have you guys heard of a uh, facade? You like try to solve a you, you try to solve a marriage. I feel like games like that where it's like one or two characters. So you're trying to solve a what? You're trying to solve a marriage, like fix their marriage. Oh, <laughs> and gotcha. the game takes place in one room. Like when it like <laughs> like you know, games like that where it's like very character focused, uh, I feel like it could get interesting. Yeah, and and uh, I think it could actually lead to new kinds of game. I don't know if you've seen the video Chalk Warfare, the series by yeah, so crispy media on YouTube. It's like four episodes now, I and each good. one bigger and better than the other one. And I think actually, if you trained an AI model to interpret a drawing, you could have a pretty awesome game because you would draw a gun, and the AI would interpret it as some kind of gun regarding on how mm. precise you were. And I think that's actually something that could be really interesting and have a, like a great uh, improvements or great new so game mechanics. So it, it would like just give you like exactly what you draw. Yeah, kind of like make okay. your drawn weapon work. Well, that, that reminds me of like, have you heard of Scribble Knots? Oh yeah. Or like Drawn to Life, like that, those kind of DS games, except to a whole new level. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah, th yep. those games. Smarter. But made up because it does it does not need to fit in a like a stencil or like you you don't need to follow a specific structure because the neural algorithm will be able to process it i think that's possible and talking about the development you're saying far away well actually five years ago people that were starting with neural networks didn't think what is possible today would be possible in like 10 or 20 years even so like the Development Prove me wrong. is like, still um, there, but like it's going faster than we imagined. Uh, I just want to say, like, does this have to be online to use these kind of infrastructures? Well, it depends because, for example, for the deepfake, if you have a powerful enough GPU and a lot of GPU memory, like you can do it on your own machine locally. And uh, like the DLSS, it's run locally. You just need to, like, the training, the model is the hardest part, but when you have it trained, you don't need as much processing power as as far as I know, like for the DLSS, right? You have like the few tensor cores, even like the 2060 can do it. Mm -hmm. So um, you need to have like, of course, if you have AI acceleration hardware, like optimized for the calculations the AI model does, you can do it locally. Yeah. I more so mean for like the actual games, like if like yeah, chat GP in the game, like if the AI is always evolving, like, Know what I'm and saying? I think for the for the game, you need, don't need the AI to evolve. You can just leverage pre-trained models because we know what happens when you let AI evolve. Like we've all read or seen uh, movies inspired by Isaac Asimov. You know, like oh, you don't I have robot. to go far. You don't even have to go far. I think Microsoft made like a chatbot. Where John Connor is? It, <laughs> yeah, you can like look at the chatbots, like mm. or like uh, Siri. Not Siri. Um, Cortana. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. They're, they're, like, 
I think one of them had like Twitter account and even in like 24 hours or so, it was learning AI in 24 hours, the Twitter account was like spitting like uh, uh, Hitler did nothing wrong and like yeah, toxic so Twitter. Yeah, yeah toxic. Even, yeah. <laughs> it was like yesterday, uh, like a Mario AI uh, was accused of hacking the Tesla website. <laughs> like, because they asked, oh hey, hey, Mario, can you hack Tesla? And he was like, sure. And then <laughs> within a few hours, it was shut down. Yeah, so I think like for the games, it's better if if they stick to more constrained, pre-trained models that are not self-evolving, really, or like ver in a very limited way. Like, for example, the AI, like uh, we had in, like they called it AI, but I don't think it was neural network in Left 4 Dead 2, which was uh, ad adapting the game difficulty oh, regarding to if you were good yeah. or not. Well, it was just a bunch of ifs, not neural network. Yeah, like, okay. yeah, because AI can mean a lot, but yeah. in this episode we are talking about the neural network's purposes, right. yeah. <laughs> As a fighting game player, I feel like AI for like training is getting a lot better, so that, that that's something to think about, yeah. Yeah, so I think it, it can provide a very interesting opportunities if used right. I think and I hope it will not rob us of our jobs, because if you take a look at the Stack Overflow or the, I think, GitHub, uh, implemented some like AI accelerated like code fix or review tool and it's not without problems so and yeah one programmer joke says well uh, AI will take us jobs oh well no it will still the users will still not be able to formulate what actually they want to do so our jobs yeah. is safe <laughs> yeah that's true have you tried to turn it on? No, <laughs> <laughs> no but like in, in programming, like p the requests of, of people, what they want to do yeah. are very specific uh, or vague or not imperfect and not, or not specific or bad. <laughs> That's what I meant. They, they can't replace QA either, right? Well, there were some experiments too, but yeah, they can't, I think they can't replace QA because it's both technical and creative. Yeah. And while while the technical part of QA can like I mean you have automatic uh, you have uh, automatic testing which is just basically lines yeah. of code. And you can improve the automatic testing but you, I think you will still need a human you're element still, because still. it's for humans and yeah. while oh. good AI will probably not be able to replace the stupidity of some humans. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's uh, if I if I slowly if I just go to back to the art that's I think why the artist yeah, they can frown upon it, whatever they want to do. But I think they they don't they should not be afraid because that's one of the beauty of like the humanity that we're imperfect mm -hmm. and there's a lot of imperfection. If you look at your face in the mirror, it's not. If if you look at your face, the both of the house full of your face are not exactly the same copy. So your maybe one of your eyebrows is a little bit down and and uh, your left nose hole is bigger than the other. I don't know how you look, so you need to look at yourself. But that's the thing. I look great. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. That's that's why there's art, um, because it's it's not a perfect representation of the reality. Hmm. And that's why I think AI, in that regard, will not replace artists or some other. So I don't like. I I would definitely not be afraid uh, if we use AI correctly. Responsibly. Will, yeah. Uh, responsibly I don't, I don't think we have to be afraid of of anything mm -hmm. i think it's still gonna be a tool we're not god 
we <laughs> can't perf- create a perfect thinking brain. I don't think that AI can be perfect thing because of some uh, like stuff that we have in our brain that makes us all unique. First that thing. was a bit of philosophy. <laughs> yep. I mean, I think we said pretty much all we wanted to say, but I will say if QA testing becomes a thing, I really hope the QA thing's falling through the floor as a feature and not a bug. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> as always, if you, the listeners, have something else to say about it, some more opinions, or you agree with us, be sure to contact us or on Instagram, send us a message, comment on YouTube or our available platforms. We would like to know what you think about the usage of neural networks slash AI in video games. Rising costs of PC hardware pushing PC gamers to consoles. Because, let's face it, the past few years, especially thanks to COVID, have not really been easy on us PC gamers. It started with an overpriced hardware generation, I mean the 20 series GPUs, for example, uh, continued with chip shortage, fueled by stay-at-home hardware needs of companies and individuals, as well as uh, stupid crypto miners <laughs> taking all the hardware for themselves. And now we are uh, at an yet another expensive hardware generation. Uh, the CPU prices went up, GPU prices went up, And while the new hardware is quite performant and good and brings some great improvements, the costs to purchase are way higher than we would like, not to mention increased power consumption, which in some regions with rising electricity prices like Europe, it's an issue. It's expensive to to have like a 1500 watt uh, power supply in your computer. Uh, like if you have the hardware that can use it, of course. But on the other hand, we have next-gen consoles that have still pretty decent performance, actually higher than the most average Steam gamers PCs, according to the Steam hardware survey, and for much lower price. And um, this can actually push PC gamers to opt for a console when in need of an upgrade, especially if you already pay for some subscription like Game Pass or or other ones that are available on the console as well. So do you guys think this can be a, a real threat to PC gaming now or in the future? I don't think anything's a threat to PC gaming. <laughs> personally. Yeah. It, it's going strong. I will say that PC gaming has a trick up its sleeve. The Steam Deck. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting take, although you're trying going strong. If you take a look at... Uh, PC hardware sales, they're going way down. Intel and AMD reported the results and they are way lower than they were in the previous years, even before COVID, as far as I'm aware. Software, like users-wise, I feel like it's going strong, though. For sure. But what I mean by Steam Deck is, like, if <laughs> would, you, would you want to buy a new graphics card for, whatever, $1,500 or a Steam Deck for $400? You know what I'm saying? So... It, it depends if you want that portability, but just the specs-wise, it's such a great deal. Well, it actually adds to the argument, because Steam Deck is not exactly console, it's but sold half a, a console. like a console. Yeah, and it's uh, the similar price as the console, and 
Uh, as far, far as I'm aware, the Steam Deck is even slightly less performant than the Xbox Series S. So the PS5 and the Series X are for a similar price, very performant, very compelling home console devices. And you can even plug in a mouse and keyboard, at least on Xbox. I'm not sure how it's support on PS5 because certain I don't games, it. I think, like yeah. Fortnite. Like not all games on Xbox have it too, right? Yeah. yeah, but you can play then. You can actually enjoy, you can have great gaming experiences with consoles today. It even has like ray tracing in some games and a lot of other next gen features. It, can, it will be able to run Unreal 5 games, no problem. So, um, yeah, it's uh, there kind of compelling and your argument with steam deck just adds to it yeah i it's kind of hard to say I, I think we're gonna have to wait a little bit more to to see the the numbers because compared to like how how long gaming on a pc is with us we have a little bit like little data about that I, well, that's what i think <laughs> uh so it's kind of hard to say is it a real threat like Yes and no. I think there's always going to be people who's going to buy this thing. And the thing, it, yeah, it's hard to answer. It's really hard to answer, uh, especially for me, who who is not really a tech guy, who don't look at the, like the numbers and uh, who doesn't, uh, who just knows that uh, 390 is, is one of the best and 490 you you need uh, your own power plants to to run. Uh, True. <laughs> so I'm not really a tech guy, but it says the guy with the frame rate counter on his monitor. Yeah, well, <laughs> I can't even care about the frame rate. I care about you, the frame oh, yeah, rate. I don't care about the numbers. So. I mean the numbers, like you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, you, you don't benchmark I don't, every game. Yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly. So. I mean, I would love to have like better graphics card, but <laughs> same. Yeah, but yeah, don't I think all? it comes. Yeah, I don't know. I really don't know how to answer this question because uh, for me personally, my experience with this is like I'm about to buy a new graphics card, but it's like I could just buy a Steam Deck instead. Yeah. And I, as someone who you know, I don't care where I play my games. Obviously, it's just for the games because you can't do too much more with it, but. For the specs and the game, as a gaming device, it's very respectable. Elden Ring on a plane. That's all I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> I think for, for me, like, because I use uh, the PC not just for gaming, mm. uh, I would rather go, uh, I would have to go for the for the graphics if card, artist, sadly. Yeah. yeah, and if you're an artist, like, I guess, I guess it depends. Like, what mm. do you want from your computer? Yeah, you're just so, watching YouTube on it. Then, yeah, if you just yeah. then you don't need a freaking forty ninety and well, a power plant. Well, that's the thing because uh, while uh, computers are can be used for most ways, and I uh, definitely uh, was born and raised a PC gamer, if Same. I say so. Uh, and I think the the platform itself is kind of a must race. Um, the computer hardware got really good that even the rising uh, uh, rising requirements of software for the basic tasks uh, cannot easily outgrow it. I mean, like, yeah, Chrome consumes more and more RAM, so you just more, buy more RAM, which is not that hard to upgrade even for most laptops unless you solder it to the board. <coughs> 
But, <laughs> but what, yeah, what was that? I couldn't, I couldn't hear you. What <laughs> Apple's was that? devices are not for gaming anyway because they have their own APIs instead of using something common like Vulkan. Duh. Anyway, <laughs> uh, my point is that I uh, like good like, bash on Apple. I have like a few years old laptop now with uh, 1060 and some uh, power issues, so that I have like a performance spikes if I play some more demanding game or do more de- crisis. <laughs> 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 yeah like that and for the like the common things you do with your pc even like i can do video editing fine because that's burst workload and the performance spike well if you work with 4k footage you have it even like uh with like ProRes or whatever big files you can still have the performance and that's why up. we do podcasts ladies and gentlemen <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh it can do a lot of the things and I actually myself went through this way. That's why this topic is like interesting to me uh, because during the chip shortage, I was kind of in need for, or like in need, you know what I mean? <laughs> we are gamers, we need better hardware. And the uh, Series X was actually, I just waited like three months for it, but it was much cheaper option than to buy a computer at that time because the miners were buying them and people who needed to stay at home. Yeah, I just say there's a point to make. No one's actually forcing you to upgrade or do anything. Uh, it's really up to you. There's so many options these mm. days, and uh, so many. If a game's well optimized, you got plenty of options. Games still work on. I mean, work, but you know, they still work on last gen. They still work on older computers. We were talking about this earlier. Like most of the new games still work on 1060. It seems like uh, there's a few anomalies, mm. like Forspoken randomly needing <laughs> a 4090. <laughs> yeah, like. In general, a lot of people are making a point that games aren't progressing as fast as they used to, and you don't technically need the newest stuff. Like it's going to come down yeah. to price anyway. Yeah, so it, it really comes down to, to what do you again come down to what what do you want? Like, do mm-hmm. you want to have the ray tracing? Do you want to have uh, the best graphics? One twenty hertz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then yeah, can I have to buy the forty ninety? A, a lot 30, of people 90. are getting spoiled actually by frame rates these days. Uh, they, yeah, yeah, Like yeah. when Gotham Knights dropped at thirty frames, everyone with like a one hundred forty four hertz monitor was crying. So. The, yeah. the thing <laughs> is, it actually Gotham Knights looked, in my opinion, worse than the yeah, Arkham, Arkham Knight series. The, even yeah. the cape, like I watched the video of the cape physics, and uh, I mean it's just cape physics. What people were complaining about that. Yeah, but like you're you're right, like. Having, uh, like going from 60 to 120 hertz is amazing. I actually, I love that uh, uh, the console supported. I think that's one of the reasons why I also opted for the Series X as and like a, not upgrade, but like, a, you know, going to the side, like to have another platform uh, to play on like the newer games. Because for example, the Grid Legends, I played it in 120 hertz. And man, that that can do quite a difference if it's a fast-paced racing game, or like Doom Eternal in 120 FPS. I would take that any time over the 60. Even even they can do the 4K 60 ray tracing, but I would take the 120 any time because for fast-paced games, it's it's really great. And while uh, we are getting spoiled, it's actually like the the difference is quite noticeable for most gamers. At the same time, there's the sea of de- uh, sea of thieves devs over here saying, "Oh, people can palette uh, 15 FPS just fine. People play it, so that's why they put a mode there. <laughs> so it's really up it's really up to you. I mean, I've played Borderlands in six FPS to completion, so <laughs> it really 
It's really up to you what frame rate. I mean, everyone on the Switch is used to 30 FPS. They don't really <laughs> yeah. care. I mean, yep. I mean, everyone wants to just have the game in the highest resolution, highest possible yeah. graphics Run possible. Details. When you have no other option, if you're stuck yeah. with your PlayStation, you're stuck with your PlayStation. So. Yeah, and there's nothing bad about it. Yeah, I, I think like why this, like the appeal of the consoles could be a threat. I mean, before I go into that, I actually took a look what would what would it cost to buy equivalent uh, Series X computer, like the Series X and PS5 are 500 euros. The equivalent PC, if you bought it new with like the Ryzen 37 or 3600 and Radeon 6700, it would cost you around 900 euros. So it's almost twice as much if you buy it new. Mm. But you still have option of, uh, of buying uh, used hardware. Yeah. Uh, which today is kind of risky because uh, the crypto miners are selling their GPUs, painting over yellowed memory chips to make them look like new. They're, yeah. I really don't like crypto miners. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Do, don't they have like their own hardware? Like what? Is there a... Mar look, I need, okay, I'm going to look it up right now. <laughs> well, there were some like hardware-specific ASIC miners but uh, the GPU evolution is going way more quickly and you can use it to mine any cryptocurrency. So if you had like GPU farm, you could switch cryptocurrencies like socks. We're, we're fortunate that, that we're not in the era where they're all being scalped, all the cards to, to those people. Cause oh yes, scalpers. Didn't the, didn't the crypto market crash anyway? That's why. So that's so, so yeah, yeah there, there are, uh, there are uh, like hardware, for miners why like if there is a market for it why is this not like praised why is this not like why why nvidia or or raiden why they're not making specific uh they do they do they do and it's a lot more complicated than that i think you should uh try searching other media and hardware youtube channels that covered it they do and there is a lot more complicated answer than that both AMD and NVIDIA were burned before by the cryptocurrency demand. So I think we should not really go into details yeah. of this one. No, no, no. I'm just, I'm just saying like, yeah, if, okay, there's a hard, if there's a hardware for it, feels like it should be more out there. Like, I feel like a lot of people just, like a lot of people who mining are buying uh, like the normal GPs uh, that gamers would use and it's just sad <laughs> it's just so ridiculous yeah uh the last thing i want to say is you're saying like oh what happens if like you know the pc market's declining well the thing is most of these pc part makers actually are making money off of the consoles too like the switch nvidia makes the chips for amd does the ps5 and xbox uh so like i don't think that you know they're that scared i mean i don't think they will be going in a way no 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 but the thing is like if the PC hardware is expensive and PC gamers will be less able to do it, uh, I think this, the threat to PC gaming might not actually be that, but less budget for the PC games. Because if you take a look, there were uh, a whole you. lot of bad PC ports. And for example, True. they are suffering from the a shader compiling issue because they don't give you the option to compile before or they have bad options for settings or bad control scheme with the keyboard and mouse. And you, 
well, like we could spend a lot of time yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. Uh, how uh, PC ports of games are bad. I think actually Digital Foundry had a video about how PC ports could be improved from the technical standpoint, I believe. Yeah. They do great I analysis, so recommendation. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think if uh, the the PC gamers market it will not be large enough, uh, appealing enough for the game developers, it might lead to either axing the PC ports or reducing the budget, making them um, worse. Yeah, I think that's like already like it's much easier to to develop a game for consoles because the hardware is done. Yeah. It's 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 already set, but every every PC has a different specs. So so it's really it's harder to make a, a optimized game for every like like for uh, like each game can run differently on each computer. My grandma's laptop, like that, that won't run Doom, but maybe another, <laughs> you know. Yeah, you exactly. Well. Exactly. There's, maybe the there's same. Millions of computer types. Yeah, exactly. So it's 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 already it's easier to 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 develop on a console, and yeah. that's why most of the like a lot of developers first do the console, and then they do, then they do PC. Yeah, that that's it's a, sad. That's a really good point. I but think it's, some... it's just easier. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, some hope gifts uh, that, that we have as PC gamers is that uh, uh, the developers, when they do for PC, they can take a look at some like Steam service and other uh, service what what uh, hardware PC gamers use. And uh, since 1650, I think is the most used uh, GPU uh, with 1060, which was the previous king, not far behind. Is actually a downgrade yeah. <laughs> year to year, uh, but uh, developers usually consider those when making PC ports because that's what a lot of people have. And I think the PC market—I don't think it's going anywhere. Mm. Uh, the numbers might get slimmer. I believe yes, that's quite possible if if the hardware prices don't improve and. Uh, once uh, we get rid of the bad or overused mind overmined GPUs and uh, like uh, gamers to gamers will be selling old GPUs, I think the the market can heal and actually rise up again. It'll be yeah, it'll be great. That like the the main problem now again is the price. Mm. That's the main main thing. And yeah, with with air, what if when. <laughs> Sorry, with what is happening around the world at the moment, it's yeah. it's just hard to to, hard to say hard to say what's going to happen in next year. But I I have hope, have yeah. hope because lately, if in the PC hardware, there has been something that didn't happen in a long time. The performance of the competition is somewhat equal. It's not exactly equal, but if you raise the best AMD and best Intel CPU. They are neck to neck. They're very close to each other. If you raise the latest AMD GPU and NVIDIA GPU without the ray tracing, they're also very close. And so I think this this could help bringing the, the prices down in the future because now that we don't have one that is stronger, one that is weaker, but we have kind of equivalent competitors. And I have high hopes that the prices will improve due to that and also due to the decline in the PC market hardware, which I think is partly caused by the insanely high prices. 
Yeah, yeah. Also, inflation. the fact that next-gen games in general, there's not that many that use demanding features yet. Mm. So. Yeah, and that's true. yeah, that's also the algorithms to improve the performance yep. on low hardware, that's like where the it comes into play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. True. So, yeah, I, I have high high hopes that uh, that this will improve, that we will be able to upgrade our computers to. To something sensible, performant enough to run the latest games at some at some decent uh, decent quality and frame rates. Yeah, it would be nice to be like if if you can play it in 120 FPS, even if it's low details. That I think that still counts. Give you the choice of either quality or frame rate, and I think that 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 is something that should stay in the PC gaming and. Yeah, yeah I, I hope the developers and the hardware manufacturers will realize that. Yeah, we <laughs> really, we really, it's with the games, it always comes down to optimization. And if it's optimized well, even for the lower specs. Yeah, GTX 1080 can run most things, no ratio. Yeah, yeah, because it was a great GPU when it yeah. launched. Okay, so I think that's uh, kind of for this topic. If you have any other takes on this, I know this one is really wide, especially if you're into hardware. Be sure to leave us a comment or a message on our social media, YouTube. We would love to know what you think about this. And uh, in the end, I think what we talked about this in this episode comes into one large question. Yeah, and the question is, Jennifer or Tris? Oh, wow. I know, right? <laughs> well, I don't know what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer or Tris? Yeah. Do you I, know who those I, are? I don't know what that means. Shame on you. <laughs> <laughs> so they're, uh, you know The Witcher, right? So Geralt. What's that? I don't know what that is. Oh, shut up. <laughs> the Geralt is in love, quote unquote. Oh. You can choose between these two women. Yennefer, who was his girlfriend or spouse throughout most of the books. And then there is Triss, who uh, kind who of. Who you met later. Who you met later. <laughs> but yeah, then. They had some something together. And in, in the game, you can choose and be deuce to two. So which one would you choose? I can explain it to you more if you want to, but... No, that's <laughs> like... explanation. <laughs> so yeah, in my gameplay, I think I went for Yennefer, actually. Okay. I I went for... I've, I've played the game so many times, so it's kind of hard to... Majority, I went Triss. But, like, if I... Me, me, if I would choose, I would choose neither. Because they're both pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> they both treat Gerald with uh, so badly. That yeah, yeah, they did. <laughs> both did some bad things. Yeah. Too. So neither is the correct answer. <laughs> okay, very nice, very nice. Afterward gamers are Michal Jirasek, Matos Panjanski, and today's special guest, Franz Abisher. If you enjoyed listening to our rambling, be sure to give us a follow on your favorite platform, and don't forget to rate our podcast. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel, where you can leave a comment about the topics and we will try to answer. Follow us on our social media at Afterward Gamers Cast on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you on the next one and don't forget, you can always game afterward. <laughs>